Thank you guys for coming today. We do. Are those Power Rangers? I haven't seen Power Rangers in a long time. That's cool. You haven't either. Well, you know what? Last Sunday was Easter, and I wanted to celebrate with you guys, and I had a plan, and then God changed it because God decided to let us have lots of snow. And then this morning I was getting ready, and I thought, you know what? I still want to dress like an Easter egg. So I did. Even my shoes and my socks are crazy colors. Because Easter's a time to have fun and celebrate. And one of the other things, yeah, one of the other things that's cool about Easter is... Chapter 11, 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You cannot see the chocolate. So you sure hope there's a piece of chocolate in there, don't you? So if I see this chocolate, and, and I'm a trustworthy person, then you can believe that there really is chocolate in here, and when I give you this egg, that you don't have to do anything at all to get to earn this egg, you will know when you open it up that there's chocolate. But you know what? The Bible says this is faith until you open the egg, and then you'll know for sure that there's really chocolate. Okay? So until you actually open the egg, it's only faith that you hope that there's a piece of chocolate in there. And see, that's kind of like the way God works with us. He tells us in his Bible, he tells us through the pastor, through the Sunday school teachers, through your mom and dad, through your grandma and grandpa, he tells us, I love you. I will always do good for you. And I promise you, when you die and leave this earth, you will come and be with me. Because I love you. So we hope that we will be with God. But we have to just believe it by faith until the day that we can actually see it and experience it. Same like this. So let me give you a piece of chocolate inside a plastic egg. One piece, one piece, one piece. Take one. Take one. Take one. Take one. Take one. Take one. I hope it's not a dead mouse. <laughs> You guys can open them up. Do you see chocolate? Yeah. All right. Now you have to ask mom and dad before. Well, it's too late. <laughs> okay. Let me pray for you guys. God bless these kids. Help them, Jesus, to understand the little tiny truth that we just taught them. That we have faith in a hope because you are truthful. And someday we will see with our own eyes and experience you for real. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, go back with you folks. Thank you guys for coming. Woohoo! And I still got more chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
It's literally, figuratively, concrete foundation. Assurance is having a concrete foundation. There is absolute confidence in whatever it is that you are assured of. Hoped for. Excuse me, let's do conviction. Conviction. Elikos. And I can't pronounce it properly. Conviction proof evidence. So, in some passages, if you have New International and some other verses, it'll say, faith is the assurance of things so forth, the evidence of things not seen. I love English standard version because it's the conviction of things not seen. I am convicted over what I know to be true. But the word hope for, this is the one that just gripped me when I was doing this study. It's elipizo. Elipizo. And it literally means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. To wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. So when it says, faith is the assurance of the things that we are hoping for, there's this sense that we have joy in our hearts and an expectation that what God has said to us is true and someday we will live it. We will experience it. We will know it for ourselves. But until that day comes, we can only believe that it will come. We can have faith. Now, this is... I'm going to keep these on because I'm going to be full. This is the Sunday after Easter. And if you go to the lectionary, which is the calendar of readings that the Christian world uses, we are supposed to be reading out of John, the Gospel, and we're supposed to be reading, <coughs> excuse me, um, chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, and it's supposed to be verses 19 all the way through to the end. So let's read that real quick. This is the night following the resurrection, the evening. So there's probably 12 hours after the resurrection. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In other words, he said, Shalom. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Shalom, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, who was called the twin, was not with them that evening when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Hey, we see the Lord! But Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in the side where the spear went in, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Shalom. And then he said to Thomas, Hey, Thomas, come here. Put your finger right here. I see my hands. Now, take your hand. You put it right here on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. And then the last verses of this chapter. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, I'm supposed to be preaching off of those verses That's I mean, that's what we all, well, all the Christian churches around the world, they're preaching off of these verses right now. Hmm, but I can't. Because the sermon that God gave me for last Sunday has been with me all week. And I was praying yesterday, God, what do you want me to say to your people tomorrow? You already got it, No, 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 that was the last week. What do you want me to say to the people tomorrow, God? This is the Sunday after Easter. You already got it, Bob. Okay. They're going to think I'm stupid. Dress like an Easter egg, Bob. Uh, they're going to think I'm stupid, God. No. They're going to think I'm lazy, God. No. You just do what I tell you. Okay. So, let's wind back to me. This is what God wanted you to hear last week. It was so important. That even though the enemy tried to keep you from hearing it, you're going to hear it. Because I even had somebody say to me, well, why don't you just go to the church and preach to the camera and put it online? And, you know, I wasn't allowed to do that. I had to preach it to your faces, in your presence, so that you could respond viscerally to this message. Now, we've already confessed our sins to the Lord. We've already prepared our hearts to hear the word. So God has something for someone in this room. I have no idea who it is. I don't think it's me, because I've already dealt with this for a while. So somebody in this room needs to get their, their catcher's mitt out and go, okay, I'm ready. Because <laughs> God's got something for you this morning. Now, we're already open to that passage. Just back up a page. Okay, John chapter uh, 19. Actually, chapter, uh, let's see, where is it? No, it's... Yeah. It's the last part of 19, the first part of 20. Let's go to the last part of 19, John chapter 19, verse 38. After these things, these things, Jesus just died. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but was a disciple secretly, because he was afraid of Jews. He went and asked Pilate that he could take the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took, took the body away. Nicodemus, who also had earlier come to Jesus by night, and he also came with Joseph. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 75 pounds. They took the body of Jesus, they bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. And now, in the place where, they, where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. And so, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, tradition tells us that Joseph of Arimathea actually owned that tomb. It's not that he stole somebody else's tomb. He gave what was his for the Lord to be buried <clears throat> Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord 
And then the very next thing that happens is, on that evening, when the disciples are in the room, scared to death for all of the Jews, Jesus appears and goes, Shalom! But Mary had told them that he was alive. And over the course of 12 hours, something was going on. But I don't care. You can talk about that in personal functions next week. I'm going to focus on Mary. Mary walked early, before it was, while it was still dark, before sunrise, to go to the garden. Why? What? Somebody's whispered something. What? Anticipation of what? Of seeing him. Ah. I don't believe that she had any anticipation that he was going to be alive. Why would she? I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm just asking seriously. What would have given her any reason to think that he would have resurrected? <coughs> if you were, if you were a little kid, and your daddy said, "I got a basket full of chocolate for you. All you have to do is open up one of the eggs, and you'll get the greatest piece of chocolate you've ever eaten." And you open up the egg, and there's no chocolate there. And then daddy comes up and opens up another basket and says, here's a piece of chocolate for real this time. Yeah, right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Can you see the confliction that this person's in? I don't say that she wasn't hoping still. Is there still some chance? Is it Polly did say it was going to come and come up the third day? Is it possible? But there was this shredded, destroyed, visceral hope that is on the ground bleeding to death right now. And her faith is really, really thin at this moment. Because we didn't read it in John, because John is so genteel in the way that he puts this. But if you go back to the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you read Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Clopas, or the wife of Clopas, depending on who you're reading, and Mary and Salome, the mother of James and John, they stood at the base of that cross a little bit off, and they were there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the disciple, the beloved disciple, watching the whole crucifixion. Then they saw Joseph come and take the body down, and Nicodemus and Joseph wrapped the body in spices, and then followed at the distance as they laid the body of Christ in the tomb, and they rolled the stone over there, and then they all went away for the weekend. Because it was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was coming, and they couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. Now, Mary, and Mary, and Mary, and Saturday, all show up early in the morning before daylight to properly take care of his body because it was so hastily thrown into the tomb. They were there to do what was necessary out of love and respect for their dead leader. And if you read in the Synoptic Gospels, it does say they wondered how in the world they were going to get that huge stone moved so they could gain access to the tomb to gain access to Jesus' body. So in Mary's mind, when she gets there and the stone is open, oh my God, the enemy stole her body! Oh my God! Oh my God. Ah! And she runs 
after that. Now, we're not told that any of the other ladies came. I tend to think they didn't. I think it was just Peter and John and Mary. And John and Peter get there, see it, and go, boom! And John's like, hmm. And Mary's back there. And they leave. And she's still standing there. Something about the fact that he knew her name. The gardener wouldn't have known her name. Any passerby wouldn't have known who she was. If they knew who she was, they would have known her as the woman who had seven demons, who was a crazy lady. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? 
And Jesus said to them one thing. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. They did not. They're leaving. They're dying. Jesus spends those hours expounding to them the scriptures, convincing them of the truth, of the possibility of the hope still being there before he goes, ta-da! Because if he'd done the ta-da, then it would have been a weak faith, if you will. But the fact that he knew that they could hold on to all of the scriptures that he had shared with them about how he really was the Son of God, how God had planned all of this, how God had orchestrated the entire thing, and how God was bringing about the the kingdom of God. Jesus did that on that walk. And that evening, as they gathered for their evening meal, it says he broke bread, and in that moment their eyes were opened, and he went, ta-da! See, and I go... Because he had to be in the upper room with all of the other people. So, <laughs> sorry, run. Where were you, Jesus? Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Just hello. Let's move on. But see, there was hope that had been dashed, hope that had been shredded, hope that had been forsaken. And what did we say at the beginning that hope was? What did it say it was? Let me look it up again because I don't have it memorized. It is a, to, a waiting for salvation with joy and full confidence. But they had allowed all of the stuff that they were looking at, all of the stuff that they were seeing, all of the stuff that had happened in their presence to negate their hope. Oh, it's just dust. And now I just 
Tell me what you're doing, but I will come again. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will come again. Please, please, please. Mary. You don't have the egg yet to open. God has made a promise that there is an egg. And in some of your cases, God has actually held the basket out to you and you're reaching for that egg. In some of your cases, you've actually got the egg in your hand. But you haven't opened it yet. Don't lose the faith. Don't lose the hope. Because the circumstances are lying to you. If you have the concrete assurance, a foundation that is immovable in the word that God has spoken to you, open the egg when God tells you to, and you will find the chocolate. Don't drop the egg and say, oh, it was hopeless. Because that's a lie from the I don't know who you are. It may be more than one of you. But I do know that God wanted you to hear in my presence these words. Because God needed to speak to you directly. Do not give up hope. God has spoken to you. God will never lie to you. He will never trick you. He will never forsake you. Even though the circumstances don't look like that's the case right now, trust his word. Trust his character. Trust the promise. Other than that, you just got to hold on and believe. Until he lets you. Thank you for letting me stew with this, God, for a week, because it's better than it would have been on Sunday. But I ask God that you would please don't let it return void. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.